Welcome back to the Just Grow Something podcast. It is time, my gardening friends. Many of us are getting our spring seedlings going as we speak. Now, whether you've been starting your own seeds indoors for years or you're new to getting a jump on the gardening season in this way, it can sometimes be a challenge. One year, you may have beautiful, strong plants that take off the moment you put them outside in the garden. And the next year, you may have spindly weaklings that seem to struggle from the get-go. What gives? There are a lot of factors that go into starting seeds indoors and growing them in a way that makes them strong and healthy enough to go outside and really do well. Some factors are beyond our control, but today I'm going to give you five things to incorporate into your seed starting procedures to help you get your gardening season and your seedlings off to the strongest start possible. Hey, I'm Karen. I started gardening years ago in a small corner of my suburban backyard, then moved to a five-acre lot outside city limits and expanded that garden to half an acre. What started as a way to provide for my family turned into a love for digging in the dirt and providing for others. Slowly, my husband and I built our small homestead into a 40-acre market farm through lots of trial and error and successes and failures. Eventually, I went back to school to get my degree in horticulture, and along the way, I discovered there is power in food. So I want to share everything I've learned with as many people as possible. This podcast is all about helping you become a better gardener and a better eater. Whether you're a seasoned gardener or have never grown a thing in your life, I want to give you the knowledge you need to get the biggest and best harvest you can. Along the way, we'll talk about the food and agriculture issues that affect all of us and dig into topics that many of us may not be aware of. So settle in, grab that garden journal, and get ready to just grow something. If you haven't downloaded my free garden planning primer, you should stop what you're doing right now and head over to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash primer to get it. It's full of the things you should be doing even before we get to the point of starting seeds, and they're all things that are going to get your garden off to a rocking start this year. Now, let's talk about the five factors that can make or break your seedlings. Variations in these things can cause your seeds to have problems germinating or make your seedlings too weak to really survive outside. And even if your seedlings have done fine in the past, Fine-tuning these things may take a decent crop of sprouts from good to great. So tip number one, pay attention to the planting instructions for the seeds you are sprouting. I know, it kind of sounds obvious, but when you're starting multiple varieties of seeds or multiple trays of seeds all at once, there may be the temptation to just do it all the same way and be done with it for efficiency's sake. I get it. But if the seed packet says, plant the seed a half inch deep, then do that. If it says, sow on the surface and gently press in, then do that. Planting your seeds too deep or too shallow can cause problems with sprouting. If the instructions say, keep soil moist but not saturated, pay attention. Yes, seeds are resilient and some are way less finicky than others, but plant breeders and researchers and seed suppliers spend a lot of time figuring out how to best get these plants to grow. So they know what they're talking about when they write these instructions. Do your best to follow their guidelines. If you need to, 
make a note on the label of your tray or your container to remind you of any special instructions that you should remember as the seeds germinate and grow. And understand that there are certain seeds that need special attention to germinate properly. For instance, some seeds benefit from a soak before planting. Seeds like squash, parsley, and chard have a hard exterior coating. But if you soak these seeds in warm water for about 8 to 12 hours prior to planting, the water will have a chance to break down that coating and make it easier and faster for those seeds to germinate. In other cases, seeds need light to germinate. Seeds like lettuce and flowers, like petunias and snapdragons, need to be planted on the surface of the soil in order to sprout. So keep that in mind lest you plant them the same way you do all your others and they fail to germinate. Other seeds just take an extremely long time to germinate. This includes herbs like rosemary, parsley, and oregano, and vegetables like celery and hot peppers. This is another note that you can make on your tray. Mark the planting date on the label of your seed starting tray so you don't inadvertently toss a bunch of seeds that you think were duds just because you forgot when it was that you planted them. Give the seeds the time and circumstances that they need, and they will usually germinate without a problem. Now, tip number two. Use heat to your advantage. Along with those other planting instructions on your seed packet, it likely tells you the optimum soil temperature for germination. This usually ranges between 60 and 85 degrees Fahrenheit or 15.5 to 29.4 Celsius. And this is even for your cool weather plants. I was surprised to realize my broccoli, which I transplant out into the garden when the soil temperatures are only around 50 Fahrenheit, prefer a soil temperature of 77 Fahrenheit or 25 Celsius for germination. And this really is the reason we start these plants indoors, right? If I were to start my broccoli seeds directly in the ground at the time in the spring when I normally transplant them, they'd take forever to sprout. The ground would be too cool. And if I waited until my soil temperatures were ideal for broccoli to germinate, the air temperatures would very quickly turn too hot for the plants and they'd bolt. Many, many of the garden plants we grow are not indigenous to our own area, which is why they need a little extra care. And we can't just toss the seeds outside and call it a day. As I mentioned in the broccoli episode, way back in episode 12, Members of the Brassica family originated in the eastern Mediterranean region. So even though plant breeders have done their best to select traits that allow for these plants to be grown all over the world, we have to play Mother Nature a little bit to give them the best start, and that includes a warm germination environment. If soil temperatures plunge too low at night, or if they reach over 100 degrees Fahrenheit for a prolonged period, your seeds can either remain dormant or they'll die. I'm not usually one to advocate buying equipment just for the sake of it, but I highly recommend a seedling heat mat. These heated mats raise the temperature of the rooting area around 10 to 20 degrees Fahrenheit or 5 to 11 Celsius above the ambient room temperature, and it can really help speed up sprouting and improve your germination percentage. They've become pretty reasonable in price with a small mat that fits a standard 1020 tray, which is 10 inches by 20 inches, 
can run you know, around $15 or so. You can also get much larger ones that hold four trays at a time, which is what we use because I start so many seeds all at the same time. I'm actually getting ready to order another one because I just need more heated space. If you want to add a thermostat to that, you can, but I've never used one. What that does is you set your preferred soil temperature, and then the thermostat uses a probe to monitor the temperature of the soil, and then it will cycle that heat mat on or off based on the temperature. And like I said, I've never used a thermostat on mine, but if the ambient temperature of your home or your seed starting area is typically kind of warm anyway, you might need one just to be sure that your soil isn't getting too warm. Like I said, any temperatures over 100 Fahrenheit for a very prolonged period can actually damage your seeds. Now you can also use a home heating pad if you've got one lying around with a few modifications. You'll want to cover the heating pad with a heat-resistant plastic to keep any potential moisture off of it. You'll also want to layer a towel between the plastic and the seedling tray. Set the tray on top and let it do its thing. Check frequently for water needs um, and check for germination and be sure the soil isn't getting too hot. If you have a soil thermometer, you can plop that into the soil in the tray so you can see at a glance that things are all good. Now there are other ways to raise the soil temperature to speed up germination without buying special equipment. The easiest way is to water your seeds with warm water. Now, I recommend doing this just for the first time that you water them after planting. So when you put your seeds into your seed starting mix in your trays or your cells or your peat pots or whatever it is that you're using, water them with 100 degree Fahrenheit water. If you're moistening your soil before putting the seeds in, then use the warm water then too. Then immediately cover your seed tray either a plastic dome or plastic wrap or a beeswax cover, whatever you have handy that will trap in the warmth and the moisture. In some cases, doing this alone can have your seeds germinating within 24 hours, no heat mat needed. Now, like I said, only do this once at that temperature. If the seeds sprout under the soil and it doesn't break the surface right away, watering with water that's too hot can damage the seedling. So, ambient room temperature water only from then on out, please. I actually have to allow my water in my seed starting area to get to ambient temperature, and it has to do it in about a 24-hour period. My seed starting room is in my basement, and the only water access I have down there is through a pipe that's on an outside wall. That water in February is very, very cold. <laughs> So I have to fill one-gallon containers of water and leave them in my seed starting room for a full 24 hours to get to room temperature before I use them to water my seedlings um, or my, my sprouts. If I were to take that water directly out of that pipe and take it straight in there and water those plants or water the trays, that's going to slow down my germination because all I'm doing is cooling the soil temperature at that point. Now, another way to warm up the seeds is to lower your growing lights as close to the surface of the seed starting area as it's safely possible. We use fluorescent shop lights and they give off a little bit of heat. This heat directly above the soil can help raise those soil temperatures up by a few degrees and help with germination. Just be careful with this method though. You don't want to melt the seed container and you don't want the seed sprouting and then pressing itself up against the light for too long. So just keep an eye on things. And if you're using LED lights, this isn't going to work. They don't give off much in the way of heat. And one more way to warm those seeds up is to put the tray 
on top of your refrigerator or your hot water heater. If they're seeds that don't need light to sprout, just cover them and plop them in place and then check on them once a day to water if necessary and check for germination. Any other place in your house that stays pretty consistently warm can be used too. Which brings me to tip number three. Mind your air temperature. Right along with those recommendations for seed depth and soil temperature is the air temperature. This may not be the same as the average recommended outside temperatures. This is the temperature the seedlings need after they sprout but before they move outside. We call this the grow on temperature. The problem I see with a lot of seed starting setups is that the gardener has their area set up in their dining room, for example, and it's near a heat vent. So it may be one of the warmer areas of the house. This might be fine for starting the seeds, but for growing on the seedlings to the transplant stage, it may be too warm, especially for cool season crops. We'll use broccoli as an example here again. It likes a germination temperature between 75 and 80 Fahrenheit or 24 to 27 Celsius for the soil. But once it sprouts, the preferred air temperature is 60 Fahrenheit or 16 Celsius for growing on. Now, once it's transplanted outside, it grows best in temperatures that range anywhere from 55 to 75 Fahrenheit or 13 to 24 Celsius. So if your seed starting area is fairly warm because of its location, or if you keep the temperature of your home at between 68 and 70 Fahrenheit or warmer, your broccoli plant's not going to be as happy once it sprouts as it could be. And if the temperature drops dramatically at night and then warms up significantly during the day, that wide temperature fluctuation can also damage your seedlings. And this might be happening without you knowing it. If your seed starting area is in or near a sunny window for light and warmth, that's great during the day. But at night, windows tend to be colder than the surrounding ambient air temperature. If you don't have a thermometer right near your little seedlings, you may not know that you're stressing them out in this way. The evidence will be in stunted growth or other damage to your little baby plants. And keep in mind that cool weather plants may like an air temperature near 60 Fahrenheit, but your warm weather plants likely prefer something closer to 70 or above. And then you have the things like peppers that like a soil temperature of between 80 and 90 to germinate, and then they like a growing on temperature of 70 during the day, but they like a nighttime temperature of 60. Talk about picky. Does this mean that you have to have separate areas for seed starting, then another area for cool loving crops and another area for warm weather ones? No, not at all. But what it does mean is that you need to pay a little bit of attention to where you locate your seedlings in your house and what the daytime and nighttime temperatures are in that little area. If you find that it's too cold at night, maybe add a space heater on a timer. And if it's too warm, well, then add a fan. That's tip number four, airflow. Stagnant air isn't good for us, and it certainly isn't good for our plants. So try to be sure there is adequate airflow around your plants. In most cases, if you've got your plants in a general purpose area of your home, this isn't a problem. If you're starting your seeds in a small room or a closet, though, that's another story. Proper airflow is important for a number of reasons. It promotes water evaporation and the transpiration that plants need to be able to pull nutrients from the soil through their roots. And it reduces your chances of fungal growth on your soil and your leaf surfaces. 
It also circulates new air in around your plants so that they get a constantly new supply of carbon dioxide, you know, that stuff they breathe. So if your area is a little tight on circulation, you definitely need to add a fan. But even if your area has perfectly good airflow, you'll still likely need to add a fan. Having air blowing directly at your seedlings helps promote strong stems by forcing the plant to hold itself up against that flow of the air. This wind resistance builds the strength of the stem material of the plant, making it stiffer. Have you ever had a plant that looked beautiful in its little pot on the shelf, but then the instant you moved it, it flopped over? Without the gentle swaying back and forth that naturally occurs when a plant is outside in nature, the soft tissue fibers don't get stretched out at all, so there's no chance for the membranes to build back up over time. This causes the plant stem to be weak and flimsy and unable to hold its own weight as it grows. It's like how a weightlifter builds muscle mass. Lifting heavy weights causes micro tears in the muscle fibers. As those micro tears are repaired, the muscle gets bigger and stronger. So wind stress is like weightlifting for plants. So let's give them a little stress. My recommendation is to have an oscillating fan on a timer. It doesn't have to be big, just something that will visibly move the seedlings around a little bit. And it can be shut off at night when the cooler temperatures kick in so as not to affect the air temperatures too drastically. The plants don't need hurricane force winds to reap the benefits. And actually, winds that are too strong can actually break those soft tissues that we're trying to strengthen. We don't want our little bodybuilder to tear any ligaments or anything that might cause a permanent injury. So let's start slowly. I have several oscillating fans, and they're on in my seedling room all the time. That's partly because of the sheer number of plants I have down there, and partly because it's an enclosed room, and the plants need that airflow. I also have a space heater, so the plants that like the cooler temperatures grow closer to the larger fan and further away from the heater, while the plants that like the warmer temperatures stay closer to the heater side of the room with smaller fans. Now, as the plants get bigger, I adjust the speed of the fan to match. It's kind of like our weightlifter adding more weights to the barbell as they get stronger. You want the plants to be moving around a little, not standing still, and not bent over either. And be sure to move the fan around or move the plants around. You don't want the plant bending the same direction all the time. This will cause the fibers on one side to be stronger than the other, and we don't want that either. So... Either move the fan to the other side of the plants periodically or just rotate the plants. And finally, let's talk about light. First, let's dispel the myth that you need specific grow lights for starting your seeds indoors. You do not. We're talking about annual plants that will only be growing indoors for a matter of weeks, so they'll do perfectly fine under regular old fluorescent shop lights. Now, if you're an indoor gardener, then you absolutely do want to invest in some lights that have a broader spectrum than regular shop lights. Extended periods of growth and plants that spend their entire life indoors, or if you're growing tropicals inside, those will all benefit from a true grow light. Otherwise, it's absolutely not necessary. What is necessary, though, is paying attention to how close those lights are to your seedlings as they sprout and begin to grow. Just like not having 
adequate airflow. Having a light source that's too far from the plants as they come up can cause them to become weak. They'll stretch themselves toward the light, whether that's to one side or straight above. We use the term leggy to describe plants that are reaching toward their light source, causing the stem of the plant to become long and thin. This isn't a problem when the plant is small, but as it gets bigger and those leaves at the top get larger, the long, thin stem isn't strong enough to hold the weight and they'll fall over. Slow, steady growth is what we're going for to keep the stem stocky and strong. So lower your lights down as close as you can above the plants when they sprout. If you're using fluorescent lights or LED lights, you're not going to be too worried about the plants overheating or burning. So keep the light about two inches above the top of the plant and then raise that light up as the plant grows. Keep in mind that fluorescents do give off a little bit of heat, so if you're growing plants that prefer a cooler air temperature, use your fans to cool the areas immediately around the plant. LEDs won't cause this problem. This is why it can be a problem to rely solely on window lighting for starting seeds and growing on seedlings. Even though it's a full-spectrum light that the plants love, it's not fully enveloping the plant. This means the plant will lean and stretch toward that light source. Rotating the plants around to keep them from stretching to one side or another can be effective for older plants, but for seedlings, they'll just continue to reach up and up, weakening their little stems. If you aren't starting a ton of seeds or don't have a good place to hang a fluorescent shop light, you can find inexpensive LED grow lights that clip on to the sides of pots or that have their own rig to hold the light above a pot or a tray. These may not be adjustable, so you'll need to raise the trays up to the light rather than the other way around. Just use a stack of books or magazines or something you don't mind possibly getting wet from water drainage and remove one or two each week to lower the plants down as they grow. The important thing is to keep the light just a couple inches above the plants until you can harden them off and get them outside to their permanent spot. Yes, there are a lot of little details that go into starting your seeds indoors. It's not complicated per se, but there are plenty of things that can go wrong along the way. Paying attention to the five things we talked about today, the seeds planting instructions, soil temperature, air temperature, air flow, and your lighting situation will go a long way toward getting your seedlings off to the best start. Now, next week, we're going to talk about the difference between soilless seed starting mix and potting soil or potting mix. Most resources will tell you hands down to use a soilless mix at all costs. And if you've had problems with diseases killing off your seedlings in the past, I might agree. But there are cases in which you might prefer to use a potting mix rather than seed starter. So we'll dig into all that and more next week. You just finished another episode of the Just Grow Something podcast. For more information about today's topic, head on over to JustGrowSomethingPodcast.com for all the episodes, show notes, blog posts, discount codes, and more. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter while you're there. You can also head to Facebook and join a community of other gardeners asking questions and sharing their experiences in the Just Grow Something Gardening Friends Facebook group. And if you want to support this show even further, head to patreon.com slash justgrowsomething to find out how. 
Until next time, my gardening friends, keep learning, keep growing, and we'll talk again soon. There's not much better than looking out first thing on a sunny morning, gazing at my garden beds over a hot cup of coffee. As U.S. Marines, my husband and I drank a lot of coffee. As farmers, well, let's just say we should probably drink more water. The coffee we drink these days still has a military tie. We have freshly roasted coffee shipped to us every few weeks from Black Rifle Coffee Company. Black Rifle is a veteran-owned business, just like ours, but they serve up premium coffee and ship it around the world. When you join their coffee club, your chosen brew is roasted, packaged, and shipped free to your door on whatever schedule you choose. And with every purchase, they're giving back to military veterans and active duty, law enforcement, and first responders. Ready to check them out? Go to justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee to save 20% when you join the Black Rifle Coffee Club. No commitments. Cancel anytime. That's justgrowsomethingpodcast.com slash coffee for 20% off your coffee club subscription.